Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for in the same way that they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Well, any day that we get to hear the Beatitudes proclaimed in church is a good day. And I know you might be thinking, did Pastor Ben cherry pick that gospel text today ahead of Tuesday's election? And the answer is no. It's just a liturgical godsend when the lectionary serves up a set of texts like we have today. Because beyond the far-reaching blessings of the Beatitudes, we also have the beautiful imagery in Revelation that promises that God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. We also have in our psalm the strong assurance of a God who answers us when we seek, who delivers us from our terrors, who saves us from our troubles, who is a refuge for us, and who we are invited in this psalm to taste and see that the Lord is good. I don't know about you, but those are just the words that I need right now. Because I've been feeling pretty weary with this new surge in the pandemic. I've also been feeling pretty anxious with the election just days away. I've also been feeling pretty angry with the news of two more fatal police shootings of black men. Walter Wallace in Philadelphia who suffered from bipolar disorder and was in crisis at the time of his shooting and Kevin Peterson in Vancouver, Washington, who was suspected of selling drugs and ran from deputies before he was shot. On top of all of this, there's also been a pretty significant loss in my own personal life with one of my mentors and seminary professors, the Reverend Dr. Cheryl Perro, who died this past week. She was welcomed into the company of all the saints in life. And it's just been a tough time to say the least, complete with tears. So when I hear that God is a God who wipes away our tears, who gives us refuge from our terrors and our troubles, who answers us when we seek her, and who blesses us abundantly, that's the type of assurance that I need to be reminded of. That although the world is chaotic and hard, we can still taste and see that the Lord is good with so many saints to count at this point. It's our good Lord who holds all of our dearly departed in the divine embrace while simultaneously wiping the tears 
that we shed in grief. And we're promised that our grief will be blessed. Jesus reminds us of that today in the Beatitudes. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. In his 1953 semi-autobiographical novel, novel <clears throat> Go Tell It on the Mountain, James Baldwin tells the story of John Grimes, an intelligent teenager in 1930s Harlem. And it talks about his relationship with both his family and his church. And the novel focuses on the role of the Pentecostal church in the lives of African-Americans as both a negative source of repression and moral hypocrisy, but also as a positive source of inspiration and community. And I'd like to share a section of that novel and it's towards the end of the book when the main character, John, finds himself lying on the floor of the church, possessed by something. He's unable to move, but has several visions during this time, which culminate with the vision of him journeying to a river. And it's there that he glimpses the company of saints in glory that mirrors our text today from Revelation. Baldwin writes, then John saw the river and the multitude was there, and a sweetness filled John as he heard the sound of singing. The singing was for him. No power could hold this army back. No water dispersed them. No fire consumed them. They wandered in the valley forever, and they smote the rock forever. And the waters sprang perpetually in the perpetual desert. They cried unto the Lord forever. They were cast down forever and lifted up their eyes forever. No, the fire could not hurt them. And yes, the lion's jaws were stopped. The serpent was not their master. The grave was not their resting place. The earth was not their home. Job bore their, them witness and Abraham was their father. Moses had elected to suffer with them rather than glory in sin for a season. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had gone before them into the fire. Their grief had been sung by David, and Jeremiah had wept for them. Ezekiel had prophesied over them, these scattered bones, these slain. And in the fullness of time, the prophet John had come out of the wilderness, crying that the promise was for them. They were encompassed with a very cloud of witnesses. Judas, who had betrayed the Lord, Thomas, who had doubted him, Peter, who had trembled at the crowing of a cock, Stephen, who had been stoned, Paul, who had been bound, the blind man crying on the dusty road, the dead man rising from the grave. And they looked unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of their faith, running with patience the race he had set before them. They endured the cross and they despised the shame and they waited to join him one day in glory at the right hand of the Father. Oh, wow, what a beautiful image is that? That scene that Baldwin is able to paint, it ignites a hope and an imagination within me of all of the saints who have gone and completed their baptismal journey, that they now sing in the valley by the river, welcoming us here in this world, back again and again to the waters of our own baptism. Because it's in these waters that we connect to our cloud of witnesses who surround us, who surround this water 
and they're singing to us as a testament that these waters of our baptism can be for us a sign of the end of all tears. One day, we will meet with the saints on the other side of the river. But until then, we can listen deeply for their song, and we'll try to find our own part in that song. We join that hymn of all creation as we celebrate the baptized people of God, living and dead, who make up the body of Christ. This joining of the song of the saints is something that we believe in deeply here at Holy Trinity. And you've probably experienced that here in worship before. Another place that I've experienced this is at our sibling church, Holy Family Lutheran Church in the former Cabrini Green neighborhood just north of us. If you've ever had the chance of worshiping with them in person, you'll know that at the end of each service, they gather in a circle, they join hands, and they sing to one another this song. Just in case the Lord shall come before we get together again, I'll meet you, I'll meet you on the other shore. And then for good measure, someone from the congregation will lead the rest proclaiming, God is good, to which everyone responds all the time. And all the time, God is good. In just that brief moment at the end of their worship, the members of Holy Family affirm all of what the scriptures have taught us today about God, that God, our good shepherd, blesses us and leads us towards the river of life that springs forth life for all people for the sake of the world. This river of life, we experience that now here in this world through our baptism. And one day we will sing with all the saints in glory when we meet them on the other shore. Amen. Amen.